Today's Gemara starts from by the two dots. The Mishnah, uh, the Mishnah highlighted as some essential dinim that even though they're all Mahatayda, we don't find any clear passages in the Taita referring to them. Some of them have no basis, some of them have uh, like a mountain on a hair, and some of them are clearly in the Taita. So we're going through and exploring every single subject that the Mishnah brought up to see what the Mishnah, which aspect of the halachas are not so clear and that um, they're like mountains on hairs. So the last one we did was Mihila stealing, and now we're up to the next one here. It's about two lines, but the two dots about 12 lines on top of the page. Um, the Mishnah says, the Mishnah said the mountains are, are based on hairs, like uh, the laws of Shabbos and Chagiga and stealing. Then the, the Mishnah says they are few psukim, but there are numerous halachas. So the Gemara says, brings a brisa. Tana, we learned the goyim, the laws of leprosy, the Allah is the laws of tumah that are inside a tent, inside with a cover on it, and the tumor spreads. Anything else in that same room also becomes tamay, is mikra mu'it, only few psukim, but halacha is marubit, numerous halachas. So the goes through it. First of all, negoyim. Magmar is a question, negoyim mikra mu'it? Are you going to tell me that leprosy only have a few psukim? Negoyim mikra mu'it, you have two parshas on it, tazir and mitzayr. What do you mean only a few psukim on it? Or a papa hachikam. In fact, this is how you're supposed to read the brisa. Negoyim is mikra meruba. Negoyim has numerous sukim, but halachas mu'atis, but aren't too many halachas. Basically, everything is canvas but in the Torah. Allah, on the other hand, when it comes to the laws of tumma inside, a, 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 has a shared common roof, is the other way around. Mikra meruba, there are very few sukim, but halachas meruba, there are numerous halachas, the omasachta, all this, mishnayis. Says the Gemara, my nafkimina, what do we need to know this? You need to know this is If you're not sure about certain halachas in the goyim, where do you look for it? I be cried. Just go to the Torah. Almost everything there is covered in the Torah. But the imistapkel If you're not sure about certain halachas of tumen in a, in the oil, then I am Then you have to do is go look in the Mishnah because you won't find too many halachas in the Torah. The next thing is dinin. We have laws. Laws to do with courts. Michtiv Ksivan. Basically, they're written all over the Torah, Mishpatim, and other places. What do you mean they're not written? We need it for the following case. And it goes as follows. The case of Rebbe, the Tanya, we learned. Um, Rebbe says, if two people are having a fight, and then inadvertently they strike out, then one of them strikes wants to strike the other person by mistake, strikes a pregnant woman. And the first we said, if he kills the, the, the babies in the womb, he has to pay a monetary payment. Um, and if he uh, strikes the woman herself, it says, nefesh tachas nefesh. So does that mean literally that he gets killed for murder or not? He intended to murder, but the other person, not the woman. So Rebbe says that even though it says in the Pasek, nefesh tachas nefesh, she dies. In the positive use of the word, a soul for a soul, a life for a life, you would think maybe it means literally to kill that person. Um, and the moment. So Debbie concludes, no, all it is is a monetary compensation. And the reason is because you did not intend to murder her. You intended to murder him, didn't intend to murder her. <clears throat> um, 
the, and that's Rebbe's opinion. And, and the Chacham argue, they say the fact that you intended to, to cause murder and therefore you hit the other person, you're still alive. After I'm a mama, you say it's money or you ain't a LNF's mama. Maybe it means a life for life. Nemra, it says in the Torah um, that if there was an accident, Venasata, use the expression of Venasata, you should give a life for a life. That, it says further, what happens if you shoot a pregnant woman and you struck her and you killed the baby inside the womb? There it says that you, you pay money and use the word also in the sin of Venasa, you should give. Malahalamama, when it comes to the case of the baby in the womb, it definitely is money. Afkan mama, and use the same expression in the sin, so therefore it means money as well. So this is a law that's not clear to the at all. In fact, you need. Uh, we learn it out from a tailor, you need a Mishnah to teach you what that is. So that's what it means that Mikra Muat, but Halachas Marubas. says, then you mentioned also Avaidis in the Mishnah, said Avaidis, service on the base of Migdash. Which particular service? Mikhtik Simon, the whole Chumash Vayikra, discussing the service on the base of Migdash. What do you mean? That uh, it, it's, it's only very few Psukim and many Halachas. Again, we are going to highlight one particular Halacha. And that is, remember we learned that four activities that are vital for a carbon. One of them is shechting, one of them is kabbalah sadam, receiving the blood, haylocha sadam, transporting the blood, and zrika sadam, spraying the blood on the mezbeh. And the kabbalah the elef from receiving the blood onwards, only a kayin can do it, only if he's wearing his vestments. And if you have pigle, if you have the wrong thoughts in mind, it gets ruined, all the laws apply. So, so this particular law, how do you know that? Transporting of the blood. The transporting of the blood is the weakest of these, because you don't always have to transport the blood. If you shechted the animal right alongside the mezbeach and you receive the blood, there's no reason anymore to transport the blood. You're already standing there. So transporting the blood is the one malacha that sometimes you can go without it. So it's, uh, we're talking about transporting the blood. And that is, it says in Pasi, time you learn, it says in Pasi, you should shech the animal, and it says, v'hikrivu, you should, that the Bnei Aaron should be bringing the animal, the blood, and then spray it on the mezbech. Now, what does v'hikrivu mean? If you translate it literally, it means to transport the blood. But we decided v'hikrivu doesn't necessarily mean to transport the blood. We said that v'hikrivu actually means kabbalah sadam. First, you have to receive the blood. That squirts out. Because before you can transport it, you have to first receive it. There's no other Pasi that talks about receiving it. Because the first thing, because the public says shecht it and then bring it. So there's a step before. And the step after shechit is receive the blood. So he can hear what he means to receive it. But after and then the Taylor uses also an expression of transporting. The Chesivit says, the Hikriv, and you should, um, it says you should bring the coin, everything you should bring it, and roast it on the Mizbech. There, the Hikriv definitely means to transport. So the same word, the Hikriv, means to receive in one Pasik, and another Pasik means to transport. So the heat of a kind of the kind you should bring everything to by the limbs. It says it itemizes all the limbs and it says the heat of the and bring it to Adam Mizbech. So so we learn from here the fact that the word vehicle is one place translated as to receive the blood, and the other place is translated as to ferry the blood across. We learn that's referring to bringing the limbs to the ramp. It doesn't mean roasting it on the back, because it says in the Pasik. Uh, you should roast it. So it means you bring it to the ramp. Remember, in the ramp, the coin is to bring it up to the top. So the member, um, 
to tell you that Hailocha, this is how you learn out, that Hailocha has the same din as Kabbalah, that you need a coin, you need a coin to be wearing all, all of his vestments, and, um, and and if you have the wrong thoughts in mind, Piggle, it ruins it, if you're an Oynin, you shouldn't take part in that, you shouldn't be sitting, you should be standing, because it's considered a true Avoidah. So, so the Hailocha, we learn out, uh, just that uh, we, we learn that's not clear in the title. That's what we mean when we say it's not 100% clear in the title. In addition, you don't even need to do the sometimes if you shakt alongside the Mizbeach. Nevertheless, it, it has a dinner of That's what it means in the mission. Next one was um, Taharais. Okay, so then we say also Taharais. It says in our mission, Dinyan Avoidas. Taharis, Tameis, and Arais. What did the Mishnah mean when it said Taharis? Which particular din of Taharis is not clear in the Torah? The Gemara Mishnah Sivan isn't written in the Torah as well. How do we know the size of a mikveh? What's the quantity, the minimum quantity of water in a mikveh? How do we know? Like Sivan, it's not written anywhere how how, big, how large a mikveh should be. The Tanya we learn it. This is how we learn. It says a pasuk, berochatz. It says a pasuk, you should wash ba mayim ba. Now the word ba means and the the water, the famous water, water that was set aside, not water that was just drawn from a pail. Water that was set aside. You don't need mayim chaim. You don't need spring water. That's a separate pasuk altogether. Where where the trade insists that it has to be spring spring water like a zov. So everyone else can be just not spring water that has to be gathered water, at least, but not mine should be not water that you put in a bucket and you carry transported it over. And that's called ba mine, special water. Not every water, but special water. Water that wasn't mine should be. Um, the main mikveh is called psori, and it says the positive that you should, uh, so we say main mikveh, and the positive says as called psori, it's entire body. So what we know about this gathered water is that it has to be able to cover your entire body. Mine's go for your and water that can cover the entire body. The kamein, how much water is that? Amma al amma, the width of an amma, because the person is an amma thick together with his clothes. So if he removes his clothes, he has a little bit of space so he can fit in. Berim shalish amas, the height of three amas. Why the height of three amas? Either two ways of living shopping, clicks or shame. Either because the average person in those days was only three amas tall. It was only three amas tall, which isn't very tall at all. Or the average person was actually four amas tall, which is pretty much like today, it was four amas tall, it's like five and a half feet, but um, uh, what do you call it? The, the head is not counted, because why isn't the head counted? Two possible reasons in that itself, either because the head you can bend down and bring it down to the level of your shoulder, or because when you go in the water inside the mikveh, you displace some of the water and it rises, and it rises, if three amas, it rises in amas, it will cover your head. Bottom line is we need enough water and in, in, we need in a cavity that can fill three amas height and one amma wide. And how much is that? We calculated that that is the cheshment of 40 saw. That's how we get a mikveh today. So I've written in the title. So again, it's vague, but we um, we learned this. It's like a mountain on a, on a hill. Then we continue to Tumeya. The next thing is Tumeya is what do you mean The title clearly delineates the laws of Tumah. We know that when it comes to a shed, it's one of the eight different rodents that are metami, generate tumma. If you touch it or lift it, is the size of an adosha lentil. If it's if it's an oil, you need a kazais. It's sharing a common roof. But if you're touching it, you need even the size of a lentil. How do you know that? Like Sivir, nowhere is there written the title. And the Tanya will learn out again, very cryptic. It says in the passage, the following by a shed, 
bohem. If you touch bohem, bohem sounds like you have to touch the entire sheretz. Yochel b'kula, and we thought you have to touch the entire sheretz. It says in another pasuk, it says that anything that falls into a pot mayhem from them is even a part of them. Yochel b'meitzasin. I would have thought there's no minimum share, even the slightest <clears throat> amount. It's sufficient to generate tumma. Tamalein bohem. You have to touch all of it. How can it be bohem and mayhem at the same time? Okay, so. You have to touch a little one, which is almost like a big one. What's that? How do they get the size of a lentil? That this is something which is a small amount, it's equal to a large amount. One of the shrubs is called the chaymet. Raja says it's a kind of a sheritz, and he uses some French word, I'm not sure what it is. And it's a sheritz that grows together with its shell, like a snail. And, um, and it starts out. It's it, it, in, in, in its infant stage, it starts out the size of a lentil. So it's possible for a, to a complete a complete sheretz to be the size of a lentil. So therefore, we say mayhem bohem, the size of a lentil. Now, basically, Yudah says no, because none of the, the the tail of a lizard, the tail of a lizard, you cut it off like a worm. You cut it in half; they both half still travel. You cut the tail of a lizard off; the, the the tail will still survive. So that's the minimum size. Of a complete sheret, that's one of the Hrotzim. It's a complete size of a sheret, so that's the mayhem and bohem. Again, it's not clear in the Torah. We just learned it out. Saying so, further, arroyes. When it comes to arroyes, all those that it, it's forbidden to have any relations, marital relations with michter ksivin. The Torah itemizes all the arroyes and parshach and other places. So, what do you mean? It's not really clear. Loinitzcha. I was talking about a specific case. Lebitoi meanusasai. That when it comes to your daughter from a woman that you raped. So it's your daughter, but it's not your wife. So this, when it comes to your wife, it says in the Torah, the erva of Isha, of your wife, ubit and her daughter. Which means not only if it's your daughter, even if it's her daughter from another, another person. Um, nevertheless, if she's your wife, um, so he says... Um, Sorry, sorry, it says a woman and a daughter you cannot have relations with at the same time. So that's right. It says a woman and a daughter you cannot have relations. Then it says in the Pasik, your granddaughter and your grandson. It says your granddaughter and your grandson. Now, why does it say your granddaughter and your grandson? Why does it say that the, um, the, the, uh, the daughter of your daughter, by itemizing, by highlighting your, your granddaughter, your grandson, we say there, that Pasik is talking about. A woman that you raped. A woman that you raped there, we say that it, uh, only if it's your granddaughter, your grandson, it is forbidden. So in other words, only her daughter is forbidden to you, but not her granddaughter, if it's not through your daughter. In other words, the woman you raped, if she has a daughter, you don't want to have relations with. But if the woman you raped had a daughter and her daughter had another daughter, knows it's the woman that you raped. A granddaughter, that isn't forbidden to you. Okay, so we have nowhere then when it comes, so where does it say that the daughter of your, the woman that you raped is forbidden? All we know is the granddaughter and the grandson. How do you know that the, that your daughter, now you're, if the granddaughter is us, certainly you would think that the daughter is us. The thing is, we have a rule, you don't punish based on a kawachaymer. And because you don't punish based on kawachaymer, we don't have any clear pasuk that says that the, we have a pasuk that the granddaughter of the woman that you raped is forbidden to you, but we have no pasuk that the daughter of the woman that you raped is forbidden to you. And that is what we learned. We learn out from Xavier Shava. What's Xavier Shava? It says in the Pasik, it says the Arab woman and a daughter you shouldn't reveal. And um, then it says, uh, and it says in the Pasik that 
Don't reveal their erva. Sha'ar their relations of yours. Zimahi. So it says the word heina. And then we find another passage. It says the erva of your granddaughter, you shouldn't reveal. Ki They are an erva. So we compare the two. So we compare that your, um, your wife and the woman that you raped, that they have the same dinim, which means that the daughter's also asked. We learn out. Zima, Zima. In both cases, it says it says that it's a Zimahi. And because it says it's a Zimahi, Zima means that it's pure erva, and therefore you get punished. So it's not open to the Torah. We have to learn it out. Hein, hein, gufi, Then we say that this, these are the Gufi of the Torah. The Mishnah says that regarding the last few things, where it says that Avoidus, Tarat, Mez, Arroyus, they do have what to rely on because we have Xavier Shabbos, whatever it was. And these are the Gufi Torahs. Your mother's wonders. Hein, hein, gufi, honey, in, honey, chloe, the rest are not. Everything, even those that are not clear in the Torah, even those that are mountains in the air, even those that you don't have a passage in the Torah, a passage in the Torah that alludes to it, they're all from the Torah, regardless. Now we start the second period of Chagiga. Okay, the second period of Chagiga is regarding, we just finished talking about Arayas, so we continue talking about Arayas, and that's as follows. You don't discuss the subject of Arayas and pass and discuss all the laws of Arayas. The way we understand the Mishnah right now is amongst three people, it means a teacher and two students. You're not supposed to teach two students Arayas, let alone with more. We'll soon see tomorrow why not and what exactly it means. Now when it comes to Maiseberatius, what exactly is Maiseberatius here? We have different interpretations. We're on Daf Yud Aleph on the base on the Mishnah. What exactly does it mean? Maiseberatius. The Rambam writes in Pirish Mishnah, Maiseberatius means science, the science of nature. And you shouldn't discuss the science of nature, Mishnah, two people. That means a teacher and a student. You should only do it yourself. That's what it sounds like. And Or others say Maiseberatius is to do with the beginning of creation, or ruches and things will soon see. The loyim mekava beyachid. Cheskel discusses Maisa mekava. What he saw the chariots in heaven, the, the esoteric uh, concepts over there. You shouldn't learn it on your own, even on your own. That's what it sounds like. But then the mission says, But if you can understand on yourself, you could. What do you mean learn on your own? If, if it says you should learn on your own, means you're capable, but don't do it. So what do you mean? But if you are capable, you can do it. So the whole mission is difficult to understand. The Gemara will discuss. Anybody looks too hard. Mistakal is more than just a glance. Mistakal is you, you spend a lot of time. You labor on it. It's suitable that you should never have been created in the world in the first place. Rashi says it's Rossi, and he says the word Rossi can have can mean it's not, you know, it's suitable, it's not suitable for you at all. But better that you you didn't come into this world. We'll soon see what we're talking about. Um, and or Rashi has another chapter. Ro it means Rashi means he should have Rachmanus. That the trader has Rachmanus in him, but he should really not be in this world anymore. What are they? Mala Maila, what's above us? All these Ruchnesiga levels. Mala Mata, what's below us? Mala Mata means either below this Ragle Hachai is below these high levels or below the world. Malafoni Mala So Rashi learns over here. Lefoni means outside of the of the universe. On the, the east or outside the universe on the left, or others say malach means what's going to happen in the future, malafana means what was here before the world was created. You shouldn't shouldn't do, um, delve into these subjects. And then he said, anybody who does not have Rahmanas on the covet of his maker, creator Hashem loves, he does have various discreetly thinking that nobody knows, but he as if saying Hashem doesn't know what's going on. Again, it's better if he wouldn't have come to this world. The Rambam and Pirish Mishnah says a fascinating thing. 
He says, is a continuation of the Mishnah. And he says, if anybody uses their mind, he says, the greatest covet of Hashem is a person's brain. What makes us superior to any other creation that Hashem made in this world is a brain. So this is a gift that Hashem gave every person, a brain. That's, and he says, that's called covered koine. The covered of Hashem is in our heads. And if we use it for the wrong things, if we use it for things that we just told not to use it for, is rosh So he says that every person has to constantly realize that the brain that they have in the head is a gift from Hashem. And this is what makes us so special. And therefore, we should use it in the right way. First, you start with saying, you should learn on your own, which sounds like you're capable, but And then you say, only if he's smart. Of course, we just said that even if he's smart, you shouldn't. So you might said, you read the Mishnah all wrong. This is how you read the Mishnah. You don't discuss the laws of Arayas. Two, three people. Not within three people, including teacher. No, if you're a teacher and you have minimum of three students, no more. Two is the maximum you should learn the laws of our eyes. We'll soon see why. The labor Nor do you learn to two people, only to one person, which is either science according to the Rambam, or we say, you know, ruchazik things. The labor which is even more esoteric, you shouldn't teach it to anybody else, only to yourself. Unless that student was very smart, we'll see more later. Then you can teach Teach that person. So tomorrow we'll explain each one. So, in, and by the way, that Rizal says that even though it seems to me you shouldn't be learning Kabbalah and Abshim when you wrote the Zoya, it was all done discreetly and passed down from generation to generation, very discreetly. You know, only a Chacham made in the Daitai, and it was only the, the teacher of the Ramban, was Rabbi Chesaginor, who revealed the Zoya, they didn't even have the Zoya. And his wife claimed that he wrote it. It wasn't written of Shem And her husband wrote it and just attributed Shem so people should look at it. That reason says clearly that we accept that it's Abshim Yichoy who wrote it. Big debate whether the Rambam himself ever learned Kabbalah or not. We have no idea. Some people have proved that he did because some of the, the laws that he brings in the Rambam, there's no other source for it other than the Zayar. Others want to say that no, there were other Madrashim that got lost over time or others for him. It might have come from there. But that reason says that today is a mitzvah to reveal this to this, to, to this uh, teaching. And the best proof is that Yecheskel himself wrote My Simmer if you're not learning Maizu Kava, what do you put in Tanakh for Yecheskel? The fact that he wrote it means that there's a time that it will be understood. Why else would he have written it? And the Rehizal says that today, because of the situation we're in today, in such darkness in the world, we need extra light. And that's why Chassidus came along a few years later when the world was even darker. And that's why every generation more and more Chassidus is revealed, more and more understanding of all of these esoteric uh, concepts, because as the world gets darker, we need more and more light. And also, because this is the third of Mashiach, which we'll all be learning very soon. Says the Mishnah Gemara further, ain't darshan ba'arayis b'shloisha. You don't darshan ba'arayis two, three people in my time. Why not? If you can tell me, says the pasuk, ish, ish. It says the pasuk when it talks about arayis, says ish, ish twice. A person, a person, a kosher episode to all the relatives. So because it says ish, ish, so you're gonna say ish, ish sounds like today two people. Sheep sorry, which means the relatives of third person. Another person, and then the pasuk said, "What should you do? Like don't reveal to them the erva." So therefore, the pasuk says clearly to three people, don't reveal the laws of arayis. That's how you learn. Tell me, the see, it says in another pasuk, which says every time it says ish, it means a person. It says ish, ish. It says tell the Jews every any person ki kalal elokav chas v'shalom. They curse out Hashem, terrible sin. 
So what does it mean there? Now, there's a few ways of learning the Gemara. One of the Gemara is, does that mean that over there also you shouldn't reveal the laws of, of, of to two people? You should only look, because it says Ishish. Others say it can't be, that's not Shani Gemara. Others say that Shani Gemara is, so if you're saying Ish, Ish means a person, a person, does it mean the only time there's a sin of cursing is that two people do it together? Is that when it's a sin, that two people do it together? Um, then the Gemara continues, Ish, Ish. Another passage says, if, if two, each, each, if they give the child off to this idol called the Melech, again, you shouldn't teach the laws unless you have two people there. Uh, if they have two people there, only to one, or only time you're liable is if you have two people there. Um, each one of these, each, each, we need for something else. And, and, um, and then what do you call it? The, the, the Turi Evan learns the Pshat, is, by the way, Gemara is saying, each, each, Turi Evan the Shagazariah. Ish, ish, a person, a person. Since over there, it definitely doesn't mean that. Why should only two people be liable if they curse Hashem, Hashem? Even one person is liable. So obviously, it doesn't mean you don't learn from there two different people. Going back to our Arayas, ish, ish does not mean two different people. So how do you know you're not allowed to teach three people? We need each one. Each time it says ish, ish, there's a reason for it. We're including somebody else, not the same person. And who is that? to include Goyim, Hashem. Goyim are also uh, prohibited from cursing Hashem. That's what says by Mikal. So when it comes to Arayas, you know what he says Ishish to tell you that Goyim also have have the seven mitzvahs. One of them is immorality. They're also obligated to follow the laws of Arayas, like a Yid. It says, Maybe we learn from the following passage. It says in the passage, you should guard my mishmartem, you should guard es mishmarti, what I asked you to guard. And um, and then it says, ushmartem, um, you, plural, is today to mishmarti, you should, what I need, what needs to be protected is chad one. And then the passage says, levilti asois, you shouldn't do any of this, as if you shouldn't reveal it. It's talking about arayas, don't teach it to three people. El Meatev, so the Chsiv, it says in Pasik, Ushmartem es a Shabbos, you should protect the Shabbos. It says in plural, two, two. Does that mean again? Does that mean that you shouldn't learn the laws of Shabbos to two people? Um, or the way the other people learn? That only, only two people are Chayiv uh, Shabbos, only two people do Mlocha Shabbos together, Chayiv. Or it says in another Pasik, Ushmartem es Hamatzes, you should protect the Matzes. Does that mean that only two people should protect matzahs? Or you shouldn't learn the law to two people? Or or it says you should watch all those things that belong to Hegdish. Again, that mean only two people can watch, or you shouldn't teach two people. El forget all this. My ain't You know why you shouldn't teach three students? You do not darshan the secrets of Arayas. Um, to, to three people or, or, or more. Rashi says the Sisseris means the, 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 the secret laws of Arayas, like we look at the top of the page, that the daughter of the, of the victim that you, that you prayed on is forbidden to you, or the mother of your mother or the mother of your father. It's not clearly in the title. These are the secrets of Arayas. Don't teach it to three students. That's what Rashi says. The Masha says, very interesting, the secret of Arayas is, why is it that we find in the Torah certain people committed the, law, the sins of Arayas? Yaakov married two sisters. Cain and, 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 and Hevel married a sister. Um, or going to marry. Or Shays married a sister. How were they allowed to do that? 
Kaimai says, how were they allowed to do that? Mar Sanhedrin says, that's a secret of Arayas. My time, uh, so why not? What's wrong with teaching it to three students plus? Svaru, it's pure logic. Bait today, two students, two students in with the teachers. What happens is this is what usually happens. If a kid has too many questions, the other kids tune out. So uh, if it's only two students in the class, one kid asks a question, the other kid has nothing else to do. So he listens in and he hears everything that's happening so that the student who's probing and trying to understand it better, the other student also naturally will understand it better as well. But if you have three students in the class and one student is engaged with the teacher, what happens to the other two? They start talking to each other, playing with each other. They miss out. They don't really hear what the teacher is saying and they'll come to the wrong conclusions. They'll say, oh, we were in class, but they didn't hear the details, the specifics that came out, were teased out of the teacher by this other student asking questions. So it says as follows. two kids, in front of the teacher, one of them is sitting there and having a discussion with his teacher. And the other student has nothing better to do, so he's tilted his ear, listening to the learning. Oh, but closer, you have three students. This is what happens. One of them will sit there and have a discussion with his teacher. The other two, will will um, have a shackle tie between themselves, they'll miss out. The one where the teacher said, and they'll start saying, oh, well, wait, this is permitted, because they didn't hear the teacher going further and saying, this is also prohibit, prohibited. So now, furthermore, a simple question, that's the logic, and how can you ever have a class of three people or more? You'll always have, why only Arayas? Every single law in Shulchan Aruch, you ever learn, you should never teach Shulchan Aruch more than two students. You're learning the laws of Shabbos, you're learning these laws or that laws, kashas, whatever it may be, the kid is asking the questions you're engaged with, and the rest are doing their own thing, and it'll come to the wrong conclusions. Why are we only worried about Arois? Arois is different. You know why Arois is different? We learned Gezel the Arois. We learned when it comes to stealing, it comes to Arois. These are the two strongest desires that a person has. In fact, that's why we read Arois Kippur by Mincha. Because this is the, the, the strongest Yetzirah that a person has is for Arayas. And, um, and because the strongest of Arayas, you tend naturally to um, somehow or another justify everything you do and find a Tehran. So if you don't hear your teacher properly, you rather you conclude this is permitted. All other things you're going to you're going to find out further whether you're permitted, or permitted here. As soon as you find even the smallest, uh, you know, uh, inkling that this is permitted, you're going to go ahead and follow that channel. So why only arroyes make the same law when it comes to stealing? So you know, is even worse than gezel. Arroyes is being the fun of being shalay, the fun of nafijisir. It comes to arroyes, it doesn't matter whether the, the the temptations in front of your eyes or not. You can you have images and you can, um, you know, speculate whatever it is and create a desire by you and you'll say, oh, this is permitted. Of a gezel, when it comes to stealing, the stealing is only there's a temptation when it's right in front of you. Then the the fun of nafish you say, if something is in front of you and you're tempted to steal, okay, it's a strong yitzhara. Oh, but if it's not in front of you, then like nafish, you don't have any yitzhara for stealing. That's why we're so cautious when it comes to arroyas. The next thing is you said, well, like the you shouldn't teach my to two people. But I'm how do you know that? We learned. When you, it says a singular, when you will ask about the good old days. That was that was before you, and so on and so forth. So it's Yachid Shoyov and Shnayim Shoyov, and there it talks about but from from creation. So it's only a, a, one person can ask, but not two people. Yachol Yishol Adam Kaidu Shiroylam. So okay, one person would give license to discuss the being of a creation. Maybe you can talk about what happened before creation. How far back can you go? The day that Hashem created on this world. 
So maybe you can only go as far back as the sixth day of creation, not go back to the beginning of creation to work all that out. To the days that were before you. Before you means before Adam was created, which means you can go back to the beginning of the creation of this world, which is also the beginning of beginning of this world, is also the beginning of time. <clears throat> so the Yachal Yishul Adam Mala 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 Mata. I would have thought a person can ask what's above this world, all the, 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 the spiritual spheres. What's below this world? What's below the Ragnarok? What happened in the past? What happens in the future? Says the Pasuk, when Adam was created, but from one end of the world to the other end of the world, you can only ask what's inside the universe. But not what is before and what is after and outside of the, the universe, it's like Rashi is in the Mishnah, means outside of the of this universe to the right or to the left. And since space and time were created in the same together, because actually the, the theory is the same. In order to have time, you need to have the number two, because you have a past and a present or a present and the future. Otherwise, there's no such thing as time. You need a number two. In order to have space, you need a number of two. Because if space is only number one, then everything is one. That's the Ebishter. Ebishter is one. It's everything. Space means you have to have a contrast. There's a world, and there's a world, but there's a place where there is no world. So the number two is actually the first creation. And that creation allowed for time and allowed for space. And um, there's actually a big criteria whether time began the first second that the world was created or the second second. Because the first second was created, there was the world and there was no, there was no world. But before the world was created, before there was a number two, there was no such thing as time. So it, from zero to one is that called time, or you need from one to two to be considered time. Anyway, it's a discussion for another time. Hashta, setting more question. Hashta, not claiming you're learning from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Why is the positive say from the day that the world was created? If you just say, uh, you can't ask anything that's outside of the world, automatically, you know, you cannot ask. For anything that happened before the world was created, because I just told you, time and space are one and the same. If you can't ask about space outside of the, these contours or these uh, in the other frame, then you can't ask outside the time as well. It's the same thing. Um, you know, we need What was the size of admiration for something a, a separate issue altogether? Side issue. when he was created, he reached the skies. The day you created Adam, the Kivin Shasara, but after he sinned, he placed his hands on uh, his hand on him, and he shrunk. It says, You created me twice. You created me in the beginning, I was told to the heavens, and then you created me a second time, I was only a hundred amas tall, or let's say a thousand. But Toshas, all I he placed a hand on me. You know how tall was? One end of the world to the other one. In that very passage, it says, um, from the day that Adam was created, and the next word is Shemaim. So you thought Shemaim goes to the next word, no, let's take Shemaim and bring it forward. From the Adam was created to Shemaim, to the sky. And as soon as he uh, he put a place his hand on him, and he shrunk. It says, but touches like a pechi, place your hand on me. Says he have an argument or a, a contradiction. One pasuk says he reached the heavens, and one pasuk said he reached one end of the world to the other end of the world. 
They're both exactly the same shear. The distance from this world to the first heaven, we'll see later, is the time it takes to walk 500 years. And the distance from one of the world to the other world is exactly the same thing. The time it takes to walk 500 years. Now, in the Chesidus Forum, it says, that what's the argument whether he reached this if if, it, if exactly the same thing what's the argument one of them says it's from the, the earth to the heaven and one says one end of the earth to the other end of the earth machlekes we have machlekes the gemara whether Adam was a tzaddik or Adam was a rasha different gemaras say different things so if Adam was a tzaddik then even though his feet were on the ground his head was in heavens was in Ganadin his head was always in Shemayim so therefore he was a tzaddik. And the other one says that Adam is always a Russia, and therefore he never was in spiritual world. His, his height was from one end of Gashmir, he had the whole Gashmir, from one end of the world to the other end of the physical world. His head wasn't interested in, in, in Ruchnis, his head was only interested in Gashmir. So that's the argument. Who was Adam? Okay, we'll continue tomorrow in Mitzvah